This is Adapted with Anna and Sam. We love books and we love movies. Warning, here be spoilers. to Adapted with Anna and Sam. I'm Anna. And I'm Sam. In this podcast, we talk about a book, we talk about a movie and TV show based on that book, we play some fun games, and we encourage you to read and watch along with us. This episode, we are talking about Jane Austen's classic comedy of manners, Emma. And since there have been many film and television adaptations, although sadly no operas. That's too bad. I know. This one time. Uh, we have narrowed our discussion down to our two favorite versions, the 2009 miniseries of Emma, starring Ramala Garai and Johnny Lee Miller, and 1995's Clueless. Yay! And we are very lucky to have joining us for the second time, our good friend Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hi, ladies. Uh, so, Mel- Michelle actually recently launched her own podcast, which we are so excited about, called Might I Suggest. Michelle, do you want to tell us a little bit about your podcast? Sure. Um, so, I realized that all of my favorite conversations when I'm getting to know somebody new are based around movies or TV shows or books that we all have in common or we really are passionate about that we want to share. So that's what my podcast is. Uh, Each week my guest brings on three things. Uh, It could be a play or an album of music or a book or a poem. Uh, something that they're really connected to and they love a lot. And we talk about the thing and then why it's important to them. And then at the end of each episode, I suggest something that they might like in return. Oh, it's a twist. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited. I'm really <laughs> excited to hear it. And I'm so proud of you for launching your own podcast. That's Yay! awesome. Thank we know you. it is not easy. So kudos to you for... It's been a long time coming for so doing thank this. thank you. Yay. Uh, Welcome to the sisterhood. Thank you so much. I am excited to have you both on my podcast yeah. on the line. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, one of my favorite things will probably be... I'm sorry be... That, that, that's just, that you both shimmied at the same time, and it was <laughs> the cutest thing of my life. Yeah. We both... do tend to shimmy in yeah. tandem. Yeah, we do. Sometimes I think it's a shame we don't have a video cast, because <laughs> Sam's facial expressions are priceless, and she's always, like, grimacing or, like doing like fake cat vomit faces and it's like you can't see that on a podcast well so i'm I very excited it. when you uh describe this them. show on the tour on your your tour of the u.s oh yeah we're <laughs> gonna yeah, see right? your face from from des moines to southern des moines we'll be all over <laughs> Um, I, I, like why, I don't you, know why I said Des Moines. I've never been there. I like that you aimed big on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's we are ambitious. We so are. We are nothing if not ambitious. Des Moines <laughs> to South Des Moines. Yeah. A lovely and fertile, attractive <laughs> land. So back to Emma slash Clueless. Uh, so my quick take uh, yeah. is that this is why we started this podcast. Yes. <laughs> to talk about Jane Austen and Paul Rudd's Pact for the Devil. Like, those were the thesis statements, so I'm really glad we're finally doing this. He has not aged. Has not aged. He just turned 50 on uh, the same day that we watched Clueless, and I was like, oh my gosh, he's still just as perfect as he was at 20. He yeah. might look better. Yep. Seriously. I agree. 
Sam, what's your quick take? Uh, my quick take is I love the book because it is so good. However, the 2009 miniseries is the perfect adaptation. And if I may, is better than the book because I find that it is that much easier to connect with Emma and her journey of personal growth. And I just, I adore everything about it. Everything. Okay. Yeah. So this is not going to be one of those episodes where we hate watch. No. <laughs> no. Sorry. I this can't is a gushing it. episode. Yeah, very much a gushing episode. <laughs> Michelle, what's your quick take? I don't like Emma. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, snap. And there's a twist. So we're going to be gushing on one side of the table (laughs) and ripping on the other, and it's going to be a mess, and I love it. Here's the thing. I I just, she's the worst. Yeah. (laughs) However. Do you you not like the book, or do you like the character, or do you not like both? The character. Okay. Okay. The book is a delight. The adaptation Maybe the most perfect Jane Austen adaptation of all time across mm-hmm. all of the books, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And Clueless is the is just a delight of an adaptation. And I love Cher mm-hmm. in a way that I've never been able to love Emma. Mm-hmm. But I come the closest to loving her with this miniseries edition. I yeah. think Ramala Garai brings a... And if I am mispronouncing her name... She's not mad at us, so. Right. No. <laughs> if don't, somehow don't. she stumbles upon this, I'm so sorry that I said your name wrong. I'm um, sorry. I said, come at us. <laughs> uh, she looks like she might be kind of like, like a fighter. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you saying I, that I, I'm not scrappy? I love you. You're a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> That's fair. Um, well, I, I was just, just going to say before we move on to the next thing that Jane Austen herself did not like Emma very much as a character. Like, didn't she write something about how she was writing a new book? And oh, you've got it in your yeah, I've got it in my notes. All right, well then I won't. Yeah, I, I have won't it in mine too. <laughs> so I was just gonna say, you and Jane Austen are soul sisters, clearly. <laughs> All right, do we want to do our six degrees? Yay! Anna, do you want to go first because you've been so excited about it for days? Okay, I am gonna go first because I am so excited, and I hope I don't ruin it for the two of you because mine is perfect. <laughs> oh, okay. How dare you? <laughs> We're going from. All the President's Men. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start with Dustin Hoffman. He was in Tootsie with Bill Murray, who starred in The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, with Michael Gambon, who Mm -hmm. was in the 2009 Emma with Johnny Lee Miller, but we're not done. Johnny Lee Miller was in Plunkett and McLean with Liv Tyler, who starred in Aerosmith's video for Crazy with Alicia Silverstone, who starred in Clueless. Nice. Thank you. Very nice. That was very nice. Michelle, what's yours? Uh... So I too used some of the. We had some a little bit of crossover. Some overlap. Yeah. So all the presidents' men had uh, Jane Alexander in it, and she was in an episode of Elementary, featuring Johnny Lee Miller as Sherlock. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Who was in Emma with Michael Gambon? Nice. Who was in Gosford Park Mm -hmm. with Ryan Felipe? Mm-hmm. Who is in 54 yeah, with Breckenmeyer, who uh, was in Clueless. Nice. You know, Gosford Park, I often forget that there's an American in that. That's a yep. good way to get yes. across the pond. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I always forget about Ryan Phillip. Mm-hmm. Sam, what's yours? Well, uh, my I started with Martin Balsam, who I ended with last episode. You are just oh. connecting. Right? Connecting all the dots. Uh, he was in Silence of the Hams. With Dom DeLuise. Yes. Is that a... Oh, it's a movie. Yeah. Porno? No, no. It's no, a movie. It's a parody. It's okay. A... They're close. It's... One has weighing out, other has weighing in. Martin Balsam plays Detective Martin Balsam. 
in Silence of the Hams. Silence of the Hams. Yeah. Uh, Dom DeLuise was in Robin Hood, Men in Tights with Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Dave Chappelle was in A Star that. is Born with Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper was in Wet Hot American yes! Summer with yes. Paul Rudd. Well done. Thank you very much. Yeah. Paul Rudd was in The Catcher Was a Spy with Mark Strong. And Mark Strong was in Kingsman Golden Circle with Michael Gambon, who was in Emma. So you connected Paul Rudd and Mark Strong, so you got multiple nightly. I did. I, I did. Sing. I was so excited. Well done. <laughs> Thank oh you very much. You guys, we, we all did really good. We did awesome. I'm proud I think of we us. are all really good at this. And yeah. It's like we do this for a living or something. We do not do this for a living. Let's <laughs> be very clear. Somebody to do this for a living. <laughs> <sighs> oh, oh, would you like to be a sponsor of Adapted with Anna and Sam? We'll do six degrees for you. <laughs> Where we'll, we just prove we're really good at it, right? We'll throw in a seventh degree for free. What? No, we'll throw in Kevin Bacon for free. Ooh. Because he's not ours to give. Uh, yeah, I was, was going to say, I think he might have feelings about that. Nah. We'll talk to his agent. So, Sam, do you want to give us your book report? I would love to. Um... So an Emma was initially published in December of 1815 and was written after the publication of Pride and Prejudice. It was uh, the last, off, not last novel to be completed and published in Jane Austen's life. Uh, before she started this novel, Austen wrote that she was going to take a heroine that no one but myself will much like. Mm-hmm. And oh, she did. I got it wrong. It's not that she didn't like it. She, she, she thought no one else would like yeah. her. Yeah. So. Yeah. And she was right. And she succeeds. I wrote, and she succeeds. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the thing that I love about this novel, though, is that Austin actually does an absolutely fantastic job of showing Emma's growth. Um, And she does improve at the end, even if you don't necessarily like her there. But she she is a different person by the time the movie ends. She's still spoiled and rich and stuff, but she recognizes that there are things she could do for improvement. Um. So Emma Woodhouse has just attended the wedding of Miss Taylor, her lovely friend and former governess, to Mr. Weston. Having introduced them, Emma Emma takes credit for their marriage and decides that she likes matchmaking. So she makes herself the village matchmaker. After she returns home to Hartfield with her father, Emma forges ahead with her new interest against the advice of her sister's brother-in-law, Mr. Knightley, and tries to match her new friend, Harriet Smith, to Mr. Elton, the local vicar. First, Emma must persuade Harriet to refuse the marriage proposal from Robert Martin, a respectable, respectable, educated, and well-spoken young farmer, which Harriet does against her wishes. However, Mr. Elton, a social climber, thinks Emma is in love with him and proposes to her. When Emma tells her she has had that she had thought him attached to Harriet, he is outraged. And I have to say, even though we're not talking about it, in the uh, Gwyneth Paltrow version, Mr. Elton is played by Alan Cumming. Mm. And this scene is hilarious because of Alan Cummings' performance. He's because so good. Cumming. He is so amazing as Mr. Elton. You really, really don't like him. Um, where was I? Alan Cumming tends to be really great in mediocre to terrible things. Right? He elevates so much of the material. He shines when everyone else is crap. <laughs> right? That's, that's, yes, that's what we're saying. He also shines when everyone's great. Yes, yes, he does. He just shines wherever he goes. He is a light among us. T- <laughs> um, after Emma rejects him, Mr. Elton leaves for a stay at Bath and returns with a pretentious nouveau riche wife, as Mr. Knightley expected. Harriet, of course, is heartbroken, and Emma feels ashamed about misleading her. 
I mean, Harriet got away from a good thing, so I feel like she's not really missing out, but... But she's heartbroken. She is, so. clearly. Um, Elton doesn't deserve her. No. No, he doesn't. <clears throat> Excuse me. No, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't edit that out. Don't edit that out either. Or that. All of this must stay for authenticity. In case you have forgotten, dear listener, I'm the one who snorts. (laughs) Uh, Yes, we brought back the snort laugher. I'm so glad you're here, Michelle. I'm very glad to be here. I hate that that's my caveat before I do podcasts. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not. Nope. Well, it's endearing. It is. Well, adapted listeners, you decide. <laughs> Write in and let us know. <laughs> what are your thoughts on my start laugh? <laughs> Adaptwithannandsam at gmail.com. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, where was I? Uh, Frank Churchill, again, in the Gwen the Paltrow version, is played by Ewan McGregor. With a terrible wig. With a terrible wig. I still would hit it. Yes. Yeah, no, Ewan McGregor in a bad wig is still Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanted terrible. to make sure we're yeah. all the same. Yeah, we yeah. are. Obviously. Cool, cool, cool. Carry on. Um, I should just start over again, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Michelle, keep it in your pants. I didn't even get past, like, the first two words in the sentence, so it's not anybody's fault. <laughs> I blame myself. <laughs> I blame her, too. <laughs> oh, there it is. All right, let's focus. Okay. Hold on, Bronzek. Frank Churchill, Mr. Weston's son, arrives for a two-week visit to his father and makes many friends. Uh, And Frank Churchill has been talked about in the village for Frank Churchill's entire life and has never been here. Nobody's nobody's seen him. Nobody's ever met him. He's just this mythic figure that everybody's like, ooh. So it's a big deal that he comes to visit. I'm so sorry. How is is the whole village like, ooh? Oh, because he's a ghost. Right. Um, That's very different from the noise I was forced to make for an hour this evening. (laughs) Oh, you missed it because you were in the bathroom. What happened while I was in the bathroom, you guys? Uh, Your daughter was singing a birthday (laughs) song. Okay. And so every time she pointed at me, I had to go, whoop, whoop. And in my head, I was thinking, that's the sound of the police. (laughs) And so every two seconds, she would be like, birthday girl. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah. It was good times. My... Thank you for entertaining my daughter. You're welcome. You're such a good auntie. Um, Frank was adopted by his wealthy and domineering aunt, and he has had very few opportunities to visit before. Mr. Knightley suggests to Emma that while Frank is intelligent and engaging, he is also a shallow character. Duh. (laughs) Jane Fairfax also comes home to see her aunt, Miss Bates, and grandmother, Mrs. Bates, for a few months before she must go out on her own as a governess due due to her family's financial situation. And the characters of Miss Miss Bates and Mrs. Bates are the, like, poor relations of the village. Like, everybody admires and respects them, but they have absolutely no money and so live on the charity. Yeah, everyone has to pretend that they're just being friends, not being charitable. Exactly. Like, oh, I have some extra of this. Why don't you take take it? it? Exactly. Um... Jane Fairfax is the same age as Emma and has been given an excellent education by her father's friend, Colonel Campbell. Emma has not been as friendly with her as she might because she envies Jane's talent and is annoyed to find all, including Mrs. Weston and Mr. Knightley, praising her. 
So basically, Emma's got competition, and she's not okay with that. The patronizing Mrs. Elton takes Jane under her wing and announces that she will find her the ideal governess post before it is wanted. Emma begins to feel some sympathy for Jane's predicament, because Emma hates the new Mrs. Elton. Because she's the worst. She is the worst. Like, the worst. If you think Emma's stuck up in a snob... Mrs. Elton takes that to, like, 20,000 degrees higher. Well, see, Emma's a snob with, like, a good reason to be a snob. Mrs. Elton is, is the wrong kind just, of snob. Ugh. In Emma's mind, she's yeah. the wrong kind of she snob. Is the, yeah. And she's, like, she is the literal worst. Oh, she is the worst. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Emma decides that Jane and Mrs. Dixon, Colonel Campbell's new son-in-law, are mutually attracted, and that is why she has come home earlier than expected. She shares her suspicions with Frank, who met Jane and the Camels at a vacation spot a year earlier, hint, 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 and he apparently agrees with her. Suspicions are further fueled when a piano, sent by an anonymous benefactor, arrives for Jane. And drops on her head. If only. <laughs> it's not that kind of book. I know. I got help Emma feels herself falling in love with Frank, but it does not last to his second visit. The Eltons treat Harriet poorly, culminating with Mr. Elton publicly snubbing Harriet at the ball given by the Westons in May. Mr. Knightley, who had long refrained from dancing, gallantly steps in to dance oh, with Harriet. I love that part. Yes, in both movies. In every version. In every version. It's, it's great it's in just, every version. Oh, makes me just oh, verklempt. Uh, the day after the ball, Frank brings Harriet to Hartfield. She had fainted after a rough encounter with local gypsies, and I apologize for that word. Harriet is grateful, and Emma thinks this is love, not gratitude. So Harriet's been in love with Robert Martin, Mr. Elton, and now Frank Churchill. Just keeping track. She's a little boy crazy. Right? Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yes. Yes. Fair. Um, meanwhile, Mrs. Elt Mrs. Weston wonders if Mr. Knightley has taken a fancy to Jane, but Emma dismisses that idea. When Mr. Knightley mentions the link he sees between Jane and Frank, Emma denies them, while Frank appears to be courting her, Emma, instead. He arrives late to the gathering at Donwell in June, while Jane leaves early. The next day at Box Hill, a local beauty spot, Frank and Emma continue to banter together, and Emma, in jest, thoughtlessly insults Miss Bates. And I have to say, this is one of the hardest scenes to watch in any version because it's just so upsetting. It's so unnecessary. When Mr. Knightley scolds Emma for the insult to Miss Bates, she's ashamed and tries to atone with a morning visit to Miss Bates, which m impresses Mr. Knightley. On the visit, Emma learns that Jane has accepted the position of governess from one of Mrs. Elton's friends after the outing. Jane now becomes ill and refuses to see Emma or receive her gifts. Meanwhile, Frank was visiting his aunt, who soon who dies soon after he arrives. Damn, what a shame. Everyone's so heartbroken. Right? They're all crying into their soup. <laughs> Good old soup cry. <laughs> oh, my soup's just salty from my tears. <laughs> and now it's just getting worse because I can't stop crying because it's so salty. Um, now he and Jane reveal to the Westons that they have been secretly engaged since autumn. Duh. I say again. <laughs> but Frank knew that his aunt would disapprove. The strain of the secrecy of, on the conscientious Jane had caused the two to quarrel, and Jane ended the engagement. Frank's easygoing uncle readily gives his blessing to the match, and the engagement becomes public, leaving Emma chagrined to discover, to discover that she had been so wrong. 
about everything because she was right about just one thing. <laughs> just one thing. Emma is confident that Frank's engagement will devastate Harriet, but instead, Harriet tells her that she loves Mr. Knightley. So that's four. She has fallen in love with every man in this book. Well, she didn't actually fall in love with Frank Churchill. Emma just thought she She did, right. But Emma's never wrong. She's been paired with every man in the village at this point. Mr. Woodhouse, you're next. (laughs) Right? You are the only unmarried man left. Although she knows the match is too unequal, Emma's encouragement and Mr. Knightley's kindness have given her hope. Emma is startled and realizes that she is the one who wants to marry Mr. Knightley. Mr. Knightley returns to, con- to console Emma from Frank and Jane's engagement, thinking her heart broken. When she admits her foolishness, he proposes and she accepts. Aww. It just it all comes together so quickly. Right? It really does. It's like over the page of two over the course of two pages and it's done. I mean, one could argue that if they had not been idiots. I mean, none of this would have happened. Okay, but then you'd never have any romantic comedies, so... Oh, right. I just... I mean... She's not wrong. It wrapped it up quickly. Yes. Yes. For the book. They put a little bow on it. But also... (laughs) It was the whole point of the book. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Was them finding each other. And we're realizing that what they wanted was in front of them all along. Yes. Um, However... Emma is trepidatious about marrying Mr. Knightley because she is worried about what her father will do, because her father has always expressed the need for, her, for Emma to never get married and to never leave him. And She's to always never... sworn she never will right. marry and never will leave him. Yep. And so what ends up happening is Mr. Knightley agrees to live at Hartfield so that they don't have to move Mr. Woodhouse until Mr. Woodhouse is no longer with them, and then they can, you know, move back to Mr. Knightley's house. And that's a big deal in the 19th century. It like is. it was an established fact, the bride is the one who leaves her home. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's willing to do that, he's it's very modern thinking for Mr. Knightley. Yep. But also, he half lived there already. Oh yeah, he's yeah, there no, every day. It's not that big a no. So it it's actually not that changed almost nothing in his life. Yeah, exactly. It was not much of a sacrifice, yeah. but it was enough to. Hey, look, he just a big bought deal. a new mattress <laughs> and a new bedroom set. I'm sure he can bring it over. <laughs> I mean, delivery's not as cheap as it is nowadays. Just throw it on top of that horse and buggy. (laughs) Michelle, you thought of everything. I have. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Thank you for noticing. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I'm never going to be asked back again. (laughs) You've got your own podcast now. Yeah, come on. Do you need us anymore? (laughs) Don't ever leave us, Michelle. We already know what we're going to do with you next. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Um, Harriet accepts Robert Martin's second proposal, and they're actually the first couple to marry. Jane and Emma reconcile, and Frank and Jane visit the Westons. Once the period of deep mourning for Frank ends, Jane and Frank marry. And then before the end of November, Emma and Mr. Knightley are married with the prospect of perfect happiness. Oh. Oh, so cute. I know. So cute. So that's the book. Short. It's a, it's a very short book. You get through it in like two seconds. It's not. It's like one of the longest other than I was going to say, Park. it is not. Don't no. lie to my face. No, no. It's a very, it's one of the longer ones. It is. I, I kind of shot myself in the foot with this because I was thinking Jane Austen's novels aren't that long. And, uh, and I thought rereading Emma would not take me very long. And then oh, no. I got the book from the library and I was like, what is this? Yeah, I think no. I was thinking of Northanger Abbey because that one's That's not very a, long. That is not very long at all. No. And I feel like the language in Northanger Abbey is also, because it's based on gothic novels, it is much easier to speed through. Yeah. And this is a very much a typical Jane Austen novel where you have to, like, focus. Yeah. 
There's there's some yeah. stuff. There's a lot of detail. There's a lot of detail. So it, yeah. it I did finish rereading it yesterday. Yeah. It's but it's very good. It is. But it's again, movie. it is not one of those where you can just pick it up and be like, oh, okay, and just speed through it in a day. And there's some wonderful dialogue. I love the scene when they're strawberry picking and like the way they go through what everyone's saying in that scene. It's, it, it doesn't actually do like, and so and so said this, and so and so this. It just kind of goes through as yeah. a group they're going through. We love strawberry picking. Strawberry picking so great. Eh, strawberries aren't so great. Oh my God, it's so hot. I, I want to die. I want to go inside. Yep. And like just this whole paragraph <laughs> of the dialogue is condensed down to like as a group. Right. As they all wilt under the heat. <laughs> the dialogue a, is yeah. wilting as it's well. It's just this lovely little segment. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah, the language of Jane Austen is always lovely to mm-hmm. me. Um, but I feel like this book more than uh, than any of the others, I struggle when I try and revisit. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I don't like Emma. Yeah. Um, and even upon rereading it this time, I even was kind of like, Knightley's a little heavy-handed with how he's trying to guide her. And I, on one hand, I'm like, great, she needs advice. She's terrible right now. <laughs> and on the other hand, I'm like, mm, are you just trying to craft someone you'll be okay with marrying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you grooming her? That's yeah. not okay. Right. Mm-mm. So, like, this time more so than any of the other uh, male characters in any of the other Austin novels, I was like, are you, like, creating the bride you want mm-hmm. in a very, like, My Fair Lady kind of way? And I was like, mm. I'm less awesome with this. Yeah, I do feel like the 2009 miniseries, it feels in that one, and I think in some of the other versions too, very much, even though they've known each other their whole lives and he's known her her whole life, Frank Churchill's arrival flips a switch for him. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like he has been thinking of her this way this whole time. It's that, Correct. Which, not that 36 and 21 is a negligible difference, but... You but know, at that time... It yeah, wasn't it's that very big deal. Right. You know, and a lot of men didn't get married until they had already established themselves. So you get to your 30s, and then you're looking around for a wife. And right. the unmarried ladies are, you know, they're 21. Because, oh, awesome. Because 18th century. Right. 18th century. Well, because they were all dead by 28 because of childbirth. <laughs> it's I true. Know. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. yeah. Well, I will say that I don't feel in any of the film adaptations that I've revisited or the miniseries that we're going to talk about. I don't feel that way with the Knightleys right. on film. Right. Yeah. Agreed. There's something about it being on the page that felt weird. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I noticed a line that I had never noticed before. He does, and I think he's joking, but he says something like, I've been in, I've been in love with you since you were 13. And that's a hard, like, hey, that's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. But also it was slowly falling in love and not realizing it with the person next door. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it just so happened to be for two decades. And right. I also I also think that the way that they... There's words that mean different things. Yes. In, in Austin's world. So saying I was in love with you doesn't necessarily mean the same thing. That it's it not necessarily romantic love. Right. Right. Yeah. It was I had love. It's like... Um, yeah. I noticed that a couple of times reading this, like... Uh, when someone says compliment, they don't mean I'm saying something nice about you. They say they mean I'm saying something nice in an ingenuine way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm not complimenting you. You really are doing a good job. Yeah. And yeah. to us, that would be nonsensical. Or um, there's another one where it's like, oh, I'm not nice about that when they mean I'm not particular about something. Yeah. So I, I'm going to give Knightley the benefit of the doubt. I want to. I want yeah. to so badly. Yeah. No, me too. 
And like that is one of the things I do. And I was saying this to Anna a couple days ago. One of the things I like, or one of the things about Emma is, um, I do enjoy the the adaptations better than the book yeah. because you it's easier to connect with the characters in the movies or in miniseries than they are in the book. It's like they the actor brings something to the character that isn't necessarily there on the page or mm. obvious on the page. And so it's a little bit easier to see that Knightley's not being a creepoid. Yeah. Yes. You know, creepazoid. Totally. I wonder what makes because I don't feel this way about any of the other Austin works. Do you? Where the where you do you find the the novel more difficult to read and engage with the characters? Is it because in Emma she's playing with more flawed characters or I think so. Characters that have to grow more by yeah. the end? I don't know. Well, for me, the only other like the my least favorite book of Austin's is Mansfield Park. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like you hate the word Fanny. That and also, <laughs> <laughs> I love the word Fanny. Um, I feel like <laughs> Michelle and I just high five. High five. High five. Um, I tried to low key high five. Yeah, come on, let's get that slap sound on podcast. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, it was wrong hand. That's it. <laughs> you okay? You're the one who's wearing rings, so let's see. I was fine. Are you okay? I'm great. Aw, you guys. So cute. <laughs> Sam, did you have a question? No, I was just going to say, like, with Mansfield Park, the, the one, like, the reason I don't like it is I I feel like, and this is because of my own interpretation and not necessarily what I think Jane Austen intends, but I feel like she has Fanny Settle. Yeah. And, she, like, Edmund isn't in love with Fanny, but it's just, okay, you're here. My other didn't work out. Let's get married and have yeah, kids. It's, and I'm not not really okay with that. Yeah, Edmund feels more like he's grooming her than, yeah. than Knightley does. Oh, I disagree. <laughs> oh, my God. This is fascinating to we, me. We are going to have to do Mansfield Park, aren't we? Yeah, we are. No, we can just talk about that <laughs> off the podcast. <laughs> Let's not go crazy, ladies. <laughs> um, no, I, I feel like, just like you were saying, that Knightley, like, realizes when Frank Churchill um, is uh, appears on the scene, he's like, oh, wait, I love Emma. Just like <laughs> shares like, I love Josh. Um, I think that Edmund is like, oh, I had this like terrible garbage girlfriend, but like the greatest person I know was right here. Um, and I'm only like related to her a little bit. A lot. Just a scooch. <laughs> Just first cousins. It's fine. Um, but then I feel, but I feel like that happens in a lot of, uh, of Austin's novels. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not until in, in persuasions, it's not until he realizes, oh my gosh, these other women are like nothing in comparison to Anne when she's like helping the stupid one who fall who jumps. Oh, Louisa. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Catch me, Captain Wentworth. <laughs> real talk. Oh, I'm glad he didn't catch her. Seriously, uh, <laughs> that was real dumb, lady. Oh, Don't God. jump off walls. Yeah, I make that. You know what happened to my sister when she jumped off a wall? She broke her leg. See? Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah, that's what don't happens. Do it. When and then Louisa broke her head. Yeah. yeah. Seriously, broke it. 
Mm-hmm. This like, is so but, many good life lessons, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Jane Austen has a lot to teach us. She does. She's still, still, mm-hmm. hundreds of years after her death. Yeah. Not sure how many. I'm not going to do the math right now, but no, enough. No. It's enough, yeah. Uh, it's around 200. That's right. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. So, Anna, do you want to tell us about the miniseries? I, I feel like we've talked about it a little bit, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my notes and uh, see what I was thinking when I wrote them earlier. Um, so, there have been many faithful adaptations of Emma in recent memory. So, there's the uh, 1996 film starring Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, Wikipedia refers to it as an American comedy, which is pretty damning, if you ask me. Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> yeah, American comedy. That's not going to... Stone Cold uh, Wikipedia. Yeah, right. <laughs> Burn. Uh, that same year, a miniseries was released for British television starring Kate Beckinsale and Mark Strong. I don't know why Mark is a word I can't pronounce. Mark Strong. Um, I would say that was a more successful adaptation, although it is not without its flaws. Uh, the version like that I love the 90 most... 90 years older than her? Th- yes. <laughs> that is part of it. Um, uh, but they do have Samantha Morton as Harriet... And, I and love she's her. adorable. She's great. She's wonderful. I love her. But the version I enjoy most is the BBC miniseries uh, from 2009, starring Romola Garay as the titular Emma, Emma Woodhouse. I can't pronounce Emma either today. Jeez. Uh, Johnny Lee Miller as Mr. Knightley and Michael Gambon as Emma's, Emma's father, Mr. Woodhouse. I just said Emma Ryan again. <laughs> I am not the one drinking. I have not had anything except tea all night. This is terrible. Wow. Shorten it in color M, like her friend. M. <laughs> I'm going to do the rest of this in a British accent. My I was just going to say, do it in a British accent. <laughs> Did you go, should I try to do a Welsh accent again, Sam? Oh, God. Please don't. <laughs> uh, it was adapted for the BBC by Sandy Welch and directed by Jim O'Hedlin. You know, I am making fewer mistakes. I, I'm not going to do it anymore, but I just want to point that out. Uh, so apparently Sandy Welch uh, wrote the script in the 90s, but then the film version and the came out and the NITV did their version so this script sat on a shelf for over 10 years before they finally made it so there are a number of reasons why this adaptation is my favorite and I think we've talked about some of these already mm-hmm. uh, the performances of the two leads are spot on and they have wonderful chemistry together I feel yes. like this is yes. the only version of Emma I'm excluding Clueless here I feel a, like this is the only different category yes. yeah. Yeah. this is the only version of Emma where um, I really bought the two of them and they're mm-hmm. sparring it's it's like a 1930s screwball comedy the way yeah. they like talk about men versus women and what men look for in a wife and all of that is lovely and wonderful um Ramala Garai is expressive and she is always energetic without ever feeling anachronistic um the expression on her face when she reads Elton's poem and she thinks that he's referred to Harriet as a wit is just priceless <laughs> uh similarly Johnny Lee Miller's Knightley is better than the book he is um, so dreamy so dreamy so dreamy so dreamy he's admirably independent sensitive to the needs of his friends and just a little bit nerdy yeah i like his his nightly so much better than his edmund bertram yes agreed oh heck yeah yeah um although neither could ever compete with hackers so there's that Uh, yeah. The England they live in is bright and verdant. I can think of only two scenes when the weather is not beautiful, uh, both times because it is specifically required for the story. So this is a fantasy version of England. <laughs> it snows on Christmas. It's it's Camelot. Uh, the world of this story is fun to revisit over and over again, even if Mrs. Elton, played by Christina Cole, makes me want to throw something at the TV. Seriously. She is the worst. I mean, the actress does a great job of making her the worst, but she is the worst. 
Well, that's because what, that's what Christine Nicole does. She comes in and she plays the worst character in anything. She's And she's great at it. Yes, she is. So um, I think we talked about this a little bit, that uh, a truly great adaptation can actually teach you something about the original source material. It actually helps you. It makes the original book deeper to yep. you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one particular example of that is, I remember when I was watching this version the first time, I was like, this director has a thing for blondes. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> Emma and Harriet look so much alike. I was, I found it kind of distracting. And then I was rereading the book and, um, and of course in other versions, Harriet and Emma do not look anything alike. So I was rereading the book and she says that she's drawn to Harriet because her beauty happened to be of a sort, which Emma particularly admired. And so Emma doesn't say she looks like me. She says she looks like the kind of beauty I like because it doesn't even occur to her. She likes what, looks she like looks her. like yeah. and the director or script writer production team whatever they saw that in the book and, and they actually extrapolated right yeah. she would look for someone who looked like a junior version of herself so yeah. or a chubbier version of herself a slightly chubbier yes. paler version of herself <laughs> who also looks like the british kirsten dunst yes <laughs> so overall this is an incredibly faithful adaptation whole sequences dialogue are lifted directly from the book um the series has a few recurring themes that are lifted from Austin's writing, but emphasized more for the series. Uh, first, the opening sequence of the series introduces us to the stories of three children who lose, the, lose their mothers at an early age. Emma Woodhouse, Frank Churchill, and Jane Fairfax. Frank and then Jane are both sent away after they lose their mothers. Frank is adopted by his rich aunt and uncle, Mr. and Mrs. Churchill, leaving behind his father, Mr. Weston, who is considered unable to take care of him after the death of his wife. Jane Fairfax, after losing both her parents, is living with her aunt and grandmother, but they reduce circumstances mean they have little to offer her. She's informally adopted by uh, Captain Campbell and his family to be a companion to their daughter, and the Campbells can and do raise her and educate her in a way that her aunt and grandmother cannot afford to do. Only Emma remains at home, thanks to both the financial stability of her father and the devoted care of her governess, Miss Ann Taylor. Emma remains in Highbury all her life, safe and secure at home. As an adult, talking to her protege, Harriet, Emma says, Jane, Frank Churchill, and I are bound together in a mysterious sort of way. And and when Miss Taylor does marry, Emma hopes she will have a child of her own, but Mr. Woodhouse does not, because as he says, quote, mothers die. (laughs) End quote. I'm telling you. Right? (laughs) Thanks, guys. That's the mother in the group. Uh, Because of the devotion... They don't anymore... That's not true. Okay, I actually don't want to get into the increasing maternal death rates in America because it's depressing and horrible, especially for women of color. Correct. Yes. I was literally just going to say the same thing. But it still but, is significantly lower rates than in hundreds of years ago times. Sure, sure. We'll, <laughs> we'll leave that nugget there. <laughs> but uh, you, were not, you were not incorrect. Yes. Because of the devotion and overprotectiveness of her father, Emma never travels outside of Highbury. During a visit from her sister and her many children, Emma teases her nephews that they shouldn't talk about the recent trip to the seaside because their poor aunt has never been. Later, she wonders if she has been too limited in her life by never leaving, and Knightley brings her a book from Donwell with a picture of the view from Box Hill, a slight incline and therefore a place of interest in England that is only a few miles away. It's not the Swiss Alps, but perhaps Emma can set a little set foot a little outside of her comfort zone. And then the grand happily ever after, when Emma and Knightley are married, he surprises her with the honeymoon trip. And when they're in the carriage, he points out the window, and for the first time in her life, she sees the sea. And it's... as the happy couple stand on a cliff, she beams, perfectly content. It's so happy. 
Now, there are a few things, this, there are two things in the series that are deviations from the novel that I want to call attention to. Uh, first, for some reason, Mrs. Bates never says a word throughout the series until the very end. Um, so after Jane and Frank Churchill's engagement has been revealed, everyone hears her speak when she finally gets to see Mrs. Weston's new baby. And I think the implication is that she stopped talking when Jane was taken away. And now that Jane's future is secure, she can speak again. I'm not sure. And I literally wrote in my show notes while I was watching it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so in the book, Mrs. Bates does talk, although we don't hear her say a lot because Miss Bates speaks so very, very, very much and dominates every conversation she's in. Um, and then one of my favorite movies, favorite movies, one of my favorite moments in the whole series is not strictly in the book. Uh, towards the end of the novel, Emma and Knightley negotiate how they can marry and if they can marry. And of course, mm -hmm. he offers to come and mm -hmm. live in her house. So the way they do it in the series... Um, so after Emma and Knightley have had their wonderful scene where they confess their feelings and it's all lovey-dovey and smoochy and wonderful. It's adorable. Um, we cut to the next scene where Emma bursts into Knightley's study at Donwell Abbey in tears, exclaims she loves him and she can never marry him, and then runs away before he can even get a word in edgewise. <laughs> um, and so this was, uh, rewatching this, uh, last week, this is the first time Stevens have ever seen this version of Emma, or actually any version of Emma, he's mm -hmm. never seen Emma before. We were watching it after he'd seen Clueless, and he's like, so is Frank Churchill gay? And I'm like, no, that's Justin Clueless. <laughs> I and mean, we got, maybe, right? <laughs> that's a different kind of story. So we got to this scene, and Stephen actually laughed out loud, and it was just so wonderful, like, when you're sharing something with someone you love, and they enjoy it. So he laughed at that scene. Aww. Anyways, um, so Knightley chases after Emma and tells her he's given it a great deal of thought, and he will move into Hartfield to be with her. And it's a sweet little moment between them. I love Johnny Lee Miller. And then he says, let's go and tell him. And she says, what, now? And he and Johnny Lee Miller's line reading of, hmm, yes, now, is my absolute <laughs> favorite line in the whole series. <laughs> and I'm not saying it right because A, I'm not Johnny Lee Miller, and B, I'm congested. So just watch that Just watch that moment. Over and over again, like I do every night before I go to sleep. And that is <laughs> the mini series of Emma. Very nice. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, do you want to talk about Clueless. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Clueless uh, came out in 1995. It was directed by Amy Heckering. And it is one of uh, many movies that came out in the mid 90s that were adaptations of classics. Um, so it's, you know, um, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. And, oh, I love that movie. So oh, good. And a whole, there's a whole slew of them. Although wasn't Clueless, like, didn't it start that trend? Yes. I'm sorry, I'm jumping on you. Nope. Uh, this was the, the grandmother of adaptations from classics into teen rom com style films. And it was fantastic. And I was worried when we decided to do this that it wasn't going to hold up. Yeah, I know. Because I hadn't seen it in a little while, and I have such fond memories of it, and I quote this movie maybe more than any other movie it's in the so quotable. history mm -hmm. of movies. So I was a little nervous going into it. However, I am happy to report <laughs> it's still a gosh darn delight. Yay! It is delightful. So let's kick it. <laughs> <laughs> That was like my most like '90s self coming through there. <laughs> Rad. <Okay. laughs> 
So the movie opens, and it's a montage of Cher, played by Alicia Silverstone, to Kids in America. Uh, The soundtrack is also fantastic. Mm -hmm. Such a good soundtrack. So she actually has uh, this huge closet that is on like a, a wheelie type of thing. That's, it's like a giant Lazy Susan. Yes, but for clothes. Right. And she has a computer program that matches her shirts to her shoes to her her skirts to her socks and she hits the button with what she wants to be the outfit and it tells her if it matches or not. Um, and she picks the iconic yellow jacket and skirt combo it's yellow plaid she has a white t-shirt on underneath it and a yellow um cardigan it is the mm-hmm. outfit you think of when you think of clueless also i did wear knee highs and thigh highs in high school because of this movie i wanted to but i could never pull it off so i'm not sure that i did but i wore them yeah i am in anna's camp <laughs> <laughs> i am a very short lady i don't know if i ever pulled it off <laughs> But I rocked the crap out of it <laughs> in my own mind. So she's getting ready. It establishes her home. She lives in this giant mansion. She interacts with her dad, and she kind of is a little bit nagging of him, which is reminiscent of how Emma is kind of almost like the wife figure mm-hmm. to her dad. She's the yeah. mistress of the house. She takes yeah. care of all of the household stuff. And then the dad says, um, Josh is coming over for dinner. And she replies, why? You were barely married to his mom. And it establishes that this Josh character is coming over for dinner because uh, he used to be a kind of a part of the family right. for a little bit of time. And so then she drives to school, even though she doesn't <laughs> have a license. <laughs> I don't know if she even has her permit, but she has the best Jeep. Right. Wait, do you have a Jeep because of this movie, Michelle? I didn't know that until maybe right now. (laughs) (laughs) And in fact, literally the second before you said that, I was like, oh my God, do I have Jeeps because of this movie? As long as I've known you, you have owned a Jeep. Not quite, but yes. As long as I've known... What kind of car you had? You had a Jeep. <laughs> Touche. There you go. Yes, this is my second Jeep, and I run them into the ground. I've had two Jeeps uh, for my adult wow. life, pretty much. Yes. And I didn't realize it until just now, but it might be because of Cher. Good on uh, you, Cher. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so she goes and picks up her best friend, Dion. She makes an amazing joke about how her and Dion are friends because they're both named after iconic single named singers <laughs> uh, and she rolls through a stop sign giving me my most said sentence of my life I, I totally, totally paused, paused. <laughs> yeah I say that one a lot too yeah not that I don't stop at every stop sign right we would never not follow the rules of the road we drive very safely I love how you just you lean in <laughs> also I don't have any drugs <laughs> just just in case you're wondering. I, I do roll through stop signs, but I don't have drugs. I just I feel like I need to come clean on something. Well, if you have drugs, you have to drive really safely. Oh, that's fair. Because that... other you don't want to give them an excuse. Yes. That tracks. <laughs> I that mean, why? that's what I've read on the internet. I don't actually know that for sure. <laughs> oh my god. Michelle, what were you saying? <laughs> So then it cuts to school and uh there's this uh amazing 
scene where uh, all of these boys are walking in slow motion oh. and they all have their butts hanging out of their jeans and uh, the song Shoop by salt and Peppa starts playing. And this is where we're introduced to Dion's boyfriend, Murray, uh, played by the awesome guy from Scrubs. Scrubs. Thank you. Thank you. And Kirk. Over uh, the overlay voiceover is shared saying that she doesn't want to date a high school guy because they're all dumb and don't wear their pants right. She's not wrong. As someone who teaches, nobody should be dateable in high school. <laughs> oh. Nobody no. across the board. Mm-mm. They're all they're all the worst of hormones of ridiculousness. Share mm-hmm. does a voiceover where she's like, "I don't want to date a high school guy. They're all the worst." As a high school teacher, can confirm. Every one of them. Boys, <laughs> girls, everybody, <laughs> all the worst. <laughs> so then it cuts to debate class where it's Cher's turn to give her debate speech. I this love is amazing. This and this is the best. She talks about uh she's talking about immigration and she talks about how she had to throw this huge garden party for her dad's fiftieth birthday and a bunch of people like came that didn't like RSVP and she ends by saying, and might I just say, it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. And then she, like, pulls her gum out of her mouth and, like, does an adorable thing with it. <laughs> and her gum matches her outfit. Right? Of course it does. Her yellow gum Bright matches yellow. her yellow plaid outfit. Amber, who is supposed to be the counterpoint to this argument on immigration, <laughs> is like, I can't debate this. <laughs> she didn't do the assignment. And... <laughs> Alicia Silverstone's share comes back with, hello, it was his 50th. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that changed everything. Right? So they go back to sit down, and then all of the report cards are passed out um, by Mr. Hall. And uh, we kind of are introduced to some of the the people who are in this class at that point. Uh, So we have Travis, who's a skater dude, who has a... a skater boy? Yes, Okay, go yes. on. Uh, and he, he has a great line about how he's like, um, how I feel about Nine Inch Nails today is how my mom feels about the Rolling Stones when she was my age, <laughs> so maybe I should, like, be nicer to my mom. <laughs> and I was like, I remember watching this movie for the first time, and I was like, yes. <laughs> Uh, and then when the report cards are given out, he tries to jump out the first floor window. <laughs> Which he can't even fit through. And he can't do it. It's amazing. <laughs> yep. Um, and then she's, uh, Cher is upset because she gets a C in debate class. So then it cuts back to her house. Josh is over. And she tells, uh, so they have uh, an adorable little conversation where uh, they kind of like are play fighting. And then they have dinner with dad where she tells dad that her report card isn't ready yet because it's just a jumping off point to start negotiations. And then that's exactly what she goes and does. She gets uh, her gym teacher to change her C to a B minus because uh, an evil boy broke her heart. And then she has misguised. Uh, up her grade by saying she'll start a letter writing campaign but then Mr. Hall refuses to budge he's the last grade and she can't get him to budge so she's like I know he needs a boink fest so she decides (laughs) to play matchmaker because if he's happy then her grade will go up 
So she begins the wooing process, and she settles on Miss Geist because she's literally the only eligible lady to do. <laughs> so she writes um, a letter uh, with some, I think, a Shakespearean sonnet mm-hmm. on it and a rose and puts it in um, her, like, teacher mailbox from a secret admirer. And then... Um, and then in the next, it's so it's kind of like a series of kind of mini montages uh, mm-hmm. at this point. And then they're back in debate class, and um, he takes off one of the tardies that she has to class because she had to surf. The, she was surfing the crimson wave, crimson wave, <laughs> and had to haul ass to the ladies. Um, and so then he, so he, he's like, all right, well that one's that one's excused then. And she's like, Miss Geis was right about you. And he's like, oh, and he kind of smiles. And then it cuts back to the house. Um, She makes a great joke about Josh having chin pubes, which I still refer to as uh, (laughs) a... um, What's the... The goatee? Is is it a goatee? Soul patch? Soul patch is the little thingy. So it's... Yeah, I guess... Goatee is just like the chin. Yeah. Okay. But it looks terrible on it. Either way, it's chin pubes. Um, (laughs) And... I'm here for it. Um, what? Okay. Anyway, um, she gets a second notice for uh, a, a a parking ticket or a moving violation, um, but she doesn't again have her license. <laughs> Why didn't they take her sweet jeep? I don't know. So then Cher gives Mr. Hall coffee the next day at school and is like, oh, you could share it with Miss Geist. And he's like, don't you want it? And she's like, no, it'll stop my growth. Um <laughs> And then uh, she goes around and is into Miss Geist, and she, like, is talking about something with her for a minute, and she, like, quick, like, does her hair a little different, and, like, as Miss Geist is, like, fluttering off past her, she, like, grabs the scarf that's around her neck and turns it to the side, so she, like, looks like more of a hottie. Um, and then it cuts to the the two teachers sharing the coffee on a bench. Then there's a montage of like all of the kids in school benefiting from this Mm -hmm. um, this romance this romance right everybody like people have no homework over the weekends and everybody's grades increase and elton is like super grateful which is super creepy yeah Yeah, I picked up on that. Mm -hmm. That is correct. Then it cuts to uh, everyone's favorite scene, um, the gym class, (laughs) where Amber says, uh, I believe it's Amber. Yes. Um, uh, Oh, I can't play tennis. My plastic surgeon says, I can't do any activities where balls fly at my face. And Dion, that sassy minx, (laughs) says... There goes your social life. <laughs> and then in walks Ty. Oh, Ty. She is our Harriet, and she a mess. So this school is all sorts of fashion forward and very, very um, preppy. preppy and fancy. And she's like rolling up in a flannel and overall <laughs> shorts. Uh, and so, and sure enough... At lunch that day, uh, she meets Travis, and uh, they bond over his skateboard, and she so she shows him her drawings, and they're like, oh, and they're flirting and cute, and then Cher immediately is like, oh, no, he's not cool enough. Like, you cannot. That's not, that's not okay. And then there's another montage, which is to 
my fa- one of my favorite songs, I'm Gonna Be a Supermodel. And it's all about bettering Ty and making her like somebody who's right good enough to hang out with her, essentially. Yep. And Josh is watching them together. And he is it's actually kind of cute. He just is like smirking about like, oh, like she's she's trying to help someone else like that's sweet um and then they argue over her being selfish about it and is she doing it for herself or for ty um and then it cuts back to uh the next day at school travis invites ty to a party in the valley and that's when uh sharon dion are like oh no we don't go to that and then a whole bunch of people are like we're going to the party in the valley and then they're like okay we're going to that also you should date eldon uh, then they do a weird photo shoot <laughs> and shares the photographer. And she's like, Elton, put your arm around Ty. Be nice to Ty. Mm-hmm. Make out with Ty. No. And then um, uh, she does like an individual shoot with Ty that's like by a tree. And she like gives her a flower to hold and stuff. <laughs> it's like fixing her hair yeah. like uh, super so precisely. I always assumed this was for a photography class. Oh, I guess that would make way I more t- sense. I took photography in, in high school, and me and my friends totally did that. That would make so much more sense. And we'd love to be like, oh, I'm modeling for my friend's photography class. Oh. We, we did that. Well, that's adorable. So let's just assume that's what Then happening. that's what happened. And Elton asked for the, a copy of the picture. And so then it's discovered that the picture is up in Elton's locker. So Cher's like, oh, my God. Elton's in love with Ty. I did it. Um, and then they went, they go to this party in the valley. Elton uh, drops the card out of his, uh, away from his mouth. And so he ends up kissing Cher during the game of Ugh, suck and Elton, blow. could you suck any words? Whatever. <laughs> I believe she says, Elton, can't you suck? Right. And the answer is, yes, Elton can suck. Ah. Sucks hard. Save it for <laughs> Three seconds later. I don't like Elton. Yes. No. That is correct. Nobody should like Elton. He's always terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a weird scene where Rolling with the Homies by Coolio starts playing. And uh, Cher is dancing with Ty to get her away from Travis. And <laughs> Ty gets hit in the head with a rogue shoe. <laughs> um, and then... Elton um, is nice to her and gets her an ice pack. As as Cher is, like, pushing poor Travis, like, out of the way. And then uh, Elton goes dancing with her. And Cher just is super proud of herself. She's like, I did it. And then the party, they have to leave the party. And it ends up that Elton is driving Cher home. And uh, he ends up pulling over um and trying to kiss her and she's like gross no what are you talking about i thought you liked ty and he's like what no and he's a super snob about it i couldn't date her right um because she's not on my level whatever and so she gets out of the car and he's like get in the car and she's like no leave me alone and so he literally leaves her alone in a parking lot in the valley everybody in a liquor store parking lot such a douche move so of course She's trying to call a cab company and gets robbed <laughs> and has to get on the ground and ruin her dress. Aww. So she ends up calling Josh, which because presumably at that point, it's the only number she remembers mm-hmm. besides her house phone and she can't call her dad. So he's making out with some girl 
and just is like, okay, I'll be right there. And they go and pick um, Cher up and his girlfriend or whoever is in the car with him. And they're in the front seat and Cher's in the back and they're arguing about Hamlet. Because sophomores in college. Right. Right. And so... Oh, boy. So then comes another one of my favorite parts in the movie. Um, They're arguing and... The girlfriend, Heather, says, it's like Hamlet said, to thy own self be true. And Cher says, um, he didn't say that. And she's like, what? And she's like, he didn't say that. That old guy said it. Polonius. And Heather's like, um, I think I know Hamlet. <laughs> and Cher's like, um, I think I know Mel Gibson. And he didn't <laughs> say that. <laughs> now... As a teacher, I have taught that particular version of Hamlet. It's true, Polonius, it is his line. It's in the play. Mm -hmm. But also, that version of Hamlet is so cut up and torn apart and, like, not accurate to what the play (laughs) is. But it was a a pop culture icon at Mm -hmm. the time. So it's very funny. Um, And Josh just laughs (laughs) in the front seat, in the driver's seat. His girlfriend gives him the dirtiest look and Josh gets like all shamefaced but you could see him smiling back at Claire and yeah. it's the best yeah. moment. So can I just sidebar a, a story? Yes. Really quick. They were playing Clueless on I think Comedy Central a couple years ago and they got to that scene and she's doing the snooty girlfriend is doing her monologue she's like they cut off our minds at its most feckend point which feckend F-E-C-U-N-D is a real word and they bleeped it. Seriously? Yeah, they bleeped it because they miss uh, whoever was wow. doing the censor censorship for that uh, movie did not know the word feckend and know that it was not a swear word. Yeah, and it okay. made me very feckend angry. <laughs> Makes me worried for the state of education today. Yeah, you should start Seriously. teaching that word. Yeah, first day of school. I'm sorry. My first day of school word is defenestration. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's Thank a good you so one. Much. That's awesome. That is excellent. So, obviously, Cher has to tell Ty that Elton is a dog. And so she's upset, so they decide to go to retail therapy. They're having lunch at the mall, and it's discovered uh, that Cher is saving herself for Luke Perry. Now, mind you, I burst into tears when the line came out. I was like, I didn't remember, and then I remembered, and I love him, and I, oh no. So sad. So that was my experience rewatching the movie recently. Um, And then the next scene is Christian comes and shows up at school, looking very Jason Priestley-esque from Mm -hmm. my O2NO, and she decides to make Christian jealous so he will be into her. So she sends herself chocolates and flowers to class and stuff, which that doesn't happen. Yeah, what high school boy does that? Yeah. But also, what school allows people to have chocolates and flowers and everything delivered to them, like their students? That doesn't happen. Anyway, it does in the movies. Um, And so they decide that they're going to go out to a party. Josh is over the house helping the dad out. And uh, he's, like, not happy when she walks out in that dress. He's And he tries to get the dad to be like, you shouldn't let her go out. 
Um, oh God! And the dad's like, I don't, I don't care. So then they go to this party that is actually Josh's friend's party, I guess. Anyway, uh, Mighty Mighty Bostones are playing at it. Yeah, I think that's the important yep. point. Yeah, Mighty Mighty Bostones are there. Yep, that is correct. Um, and so they're dancing, having a grand old time. Ty shows up, falls down the stairs. Her outfit is terrible. Oh, it really is. And then there's a montage of Ty just standing alone uh, in, like, various, like, changing up of her outfit a little bit. And then, like, at one point, there's, like, these two very tall men who are just standing over her. And Brittany Murphy is yep. a, is a wee lady. Yep. So, like, they're, like, you can't even see their heads in the frame. They're just, like, two tall bodies. Yeah. They clearly don't even see this tiny person. They're about to step yep. on. And then Josh shows up and he saves the day by dancing with her. And then uh, he takes uh, the girls home because Christian decides to go to the after party with uh, the band, <laughs> who's all dudes. Yep. Um, hint, 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 Cher. <laughs> correct. <laughs> uh, and then Josh and Cher uh, bring takeout to the dad and the lawyers mm-hmm. who are working late so night nice. the case. It's very, it's a very cute, adorable scene yes. where they're feeding everybody. Um, quick side note, I'm super happy to know that the word dope has come back around again. <laughs> and I use it all the time and I'm like, ah, oh, that's so dope. I'm retro and in fashion all at once. So then anyway, uh, <laughs> That's me finding my place in my notes. <laughs> oh, I thought that was you, like, doing, like, a fun, like, fast-forward thing. Uh, yes, through all of the notes I've said so far. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> uh, then, so Christian's coming over, uh, and there's uh, a really, truly... The, the montages in this movie are fantastic. Mm-hmm. This montage, she is uh, getting ready, burning cookies... Uh, getting, you know, trying on outfits, taking photos because she doesn't trust mirrors, um, contemplating having sex with him and all of these things. He brings over some like it hot and Spartacus because he loves Tony Curtis. Hint, 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 share. Red flag, red flag. Hint, hint, hint. Um, She falls out of the bed when she's trying to do a sexy (laughs) hair move. It's a classic pratfall. Love a good (laughs) pratfall. Oh, man. So then he's like, I'm feeling tired. And he's like, cool, I'll see you later, bye. And he leaves. And so the next day, she's driving with Dion and Murray. And she's like, I can't believe that I was like going to rush into this sex thing with him. And Murray bursts into laughter. And he's like, he's gay. What are you talking about? You were never going to have sex with him. (laughs) And she's like, oh, that does make sense. (laughs) Um, the signs were all there. Correct. And then uh, Dion almost kills them all because she ends up on the highway and doesn't really know how to drive. I Presumably, she also doesn't have a license. Nope. Uh, so then cuts to the mall and uh, Christian saves Ty from two guys who are like joking with her and like dip her over the side of Typical mall the dudes. railing. Uh, I don't understand any part of that scene, but whatever. The outcome of that is... Ty becomes kind of high school famous, Mm -hmm. and nobody cares about Cher at the moment. And she's mean to Travis. So this causes Cher to pick a fight with Josh, and then she goes for her driving test, and she fails it because she, like, doesn't know how to drive and also (laughs) is distracted. Um, 
So she goes home after failing this driving test, and they take her car away. Which right. is the car she never should have had in the first place. I cannot <laughs> stress this enough, everybody. Um, and so she's, like, upset, and... Ty and Josh are hanging out, playing hacky sack in the backyard. Oh, my God. They're playing hacky sack. It's mm-hmm. so uh-huh. 1995. Yes. Correct. Um, and then Ty's like, I know what will cheer you up. I'm going to burn my Elton shoebox. And it's a shoebox filled with stuff that she collected. Although there's like two things in there. It's like the CD of Rolling with, with the Homies. Uh, the... Um, the towel. The, the dish towel, towel that she like put... Uh, he put ice in for her. And then like... One or two other things. It's all very dumb. Yeah. Yes. yes. But also, so high school. I've 90s. been there. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, and so then she confesses that she likes Josh. And Cher gets really sad. And she tells Ty that she doesn't think that they really are a good fit for each other. They don't mesh. Yes. And then Ty says, What do you know? You're a virgin who can't drive. Oof. So harsh. And in fact, that's way harsh, Ty. <laughs> yeah, that's actually what she says. Way harsh. Uh, <laughs> yep. And so then Ty grabs her empty box and walks out. And Cher goes for a walk to clear her head. Because she can't go driving because they took her car. <laughs> and <laughs> she's walking around and she's she has this great voiceover about like, what is wrong with her? Like, this isn't who she really is. And like, blah, blah, blah. She kind of goes through all the things that like Emma in the book learns Mm -hmm. about herself. And then she's like, oh my gosh, I'm in love with Josh. And she's all by myself is playing, (laughs) uh, covered by Jewel. I I didn't know that until that night. Yeah. And it's so dumb because... The all by myself is playing, and then she's standing in front of a water fountain, and the water fountain like goes off, and there's like lights and stuff, and then she's like, "I love Josh," <laughs> um, and then it cuts to her helping her dad um, with some lawyer stuff, and then she decides that she's going to help Miss Geist with the Pismo Beach Disaster Relief Fund. <laughs> she cleans out their whole house. She, like, asks if her dad didn't like the black caviar that she bought last time around. And and she's, you know, she's bringing old skis out and stuff. Daddy, some people lost everything. Yeah. Don't <laughs> you think that includes, includes athletic wear? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then they have this big event where everybody brings their stuff to the, the what I presume is the gym. Uh, Travis brings a bong he doesn't need anymore. Uh, and he apologizes uh for ruining her shoes at the party uh, because he's in N.A. and (laughs) is going through the 12-step program. (laughs) And he invites her to his skate show. Uh, She has a great line where she's like, um, I guess put your bong in kitchen wear. (laughs) And he's like, that's where I kept it. And then it cuts to um, the skate park. Shares and Ty run into each other. They each apologize to each other and they hug it out. It's very clear that Ty is very much into Travis again. They're like waving and being cutesy together. And then it cuts to uh, later that night where Cher and Josh are both helping the an older lawyer with a whole bunch of the briefing stuff. He gets mad at her and uh, the old lawyer gets mad at 
Cher calls her an idiot because she's going and, and highlighting something that they didn't need highlighted anymore. But, like, nobody told, told her, her that. Mm-hmm. So she just kept doing the thing that they asked her to do. So she runs off and Josh defends her. This, uh, the lawyer gets pissed and says he's calling in sick the next day and that it's not going to be his problem. That, and that Josh can go on flirting with this little girl and like whatever. And he's, he's, it's not his problem anymore. And then it looks up and Cher's sitting on the stairs, upset, obviously. And Josh sits with her. And then they're very adorable, and he's super awkward and, and calls her beautiful. And then they kiss, and then they kiss again, and it's adorable. So adorable. And then she's like, so you know what happened next? And then it cuts to a wedding. And she's like, as if I'm still in high school. <laughs> and it's uh, Miss Geist is marrying uh, Mr. Hull. And there's a bet on uh, who's going to win the bouquet. And after a pretty dragged-out fight... Uh, Cher comes back with it for Josh. Aww. The and then end. general public tenderness starts playing. Right. And it's the best. Fact. Such oh, a good it's adorable. Movie. I love that movie. Yeah. Really, the only thing that didn't hold up for me is that it does use uh, the word retarded twice. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that. Otherwise, yep. A really great movie that it still holds up. Mm-hmm. I think it does hold up very well. I yeah. agree. So, hey, is it time for some fun and games? Let's have some fun and games. How about we start with what are your top three hotties? Ooh. I mean, I feel like I my find, sorry, I have to find my right sheets. Pretty obvious. Um, well, maybe the third one, but Johnny Lee Miller. I was gonna say our first two is gonna be the same yeah. across the board, right? Yeah, Johnny Lee Miller and Paul Rudd. Clearly, clearly. Not in my order. Oh, I'll shut up. No, no, different order. But then I actually went with Breck and Meyer. Breck and Meyer. Wait, you guys both had Breck and Meyer as your third? Nice. Yeah. Okay. Although I flipped, so I was Paul Rudd, then Johnny Lee Miller. Nice. And then Breck and Meyer. I had nice. Paul Rudd, then Johnny Lee Miller, then Rupert Evans. Oh, nice choice. Who plays Frank Churchill. Yeah, I know. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was on the fence about him. But, uh, I'm not mad at that choice. No. Okay, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. He is He is a respectable choice. Yeah. Yeah. I just oh, know. Yeah. I, I just really, I would kick him out really of bed for leaving love. crumbs, you know. Right. As I, my mom used to say. Yeah. And that is As something I said she says. earlier today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about your top outfits and styles? Michelle, do you want to go first? I could not choose. This was like <laughs> This was like I don't know. What what's the the biblical story where they're like Solomon? Solomon King That Solomon, makes sense. Yeah. Yep. It's like that. Or yep. was it Sophie's Choice? I don't know. I, I don't read the Bible. I didn't see that movie. But I'm imagining <laughs> that that's what this is like. It's exactly like this. Yes. So, <laughs> so I decided that I was going to do three outfits from Clueless and then three from Emma. Nice. So, I, that's totally fair. Come at me, bros. Okay. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, don't come at me, please. I love you both. Great. <laughs> The number one outfit from Clueless has to be Cher's yellow plaid outfit. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is yes. the quintessential outfit, not only of Clueless, but dare I say, all of those 90s I agree. teen movies. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is the greatest outfit of all, 1995. Yep. My second place uh, is Dion's maroon dress with the white, crisp white collar. Yes. Oh, is yeah. Fantastic. Is that a dress or is it a sweater and it's a skirt? It's a dress. Oh, that nice. is a good look. Yes. 
And my third outfit, after thinking long and hard, because there's some very fantastic outfits in mm-hmm. here, um, I went with Cher has a white shirt and a light, like pale mint green cardigan that looks a little, um, it looks kind of cozy. Mm-hmm. And it has um, the fuzzy um, cufflinks mm-hmm. at the bottom. And then it has uh, a player, a, a pale green and tans, uh, tan colors plaid skirt to go oh, with it. Oh, yes. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. Nice. So those are my clueless picks. Nice. Do you want to like, do you want me to go? Just keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, for Emma, my number one be all and end all is that pink walking coat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is yep. the most gorgeous piece in the whole thing. I love it with every fiber of my being. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, man, I love it. Uh, my number two is uh, she has this great coral pink dress with a, mm-hmm. a white collar and a green sash mm-hmm. when she's arguing with Knightley about Harriet. Yes. And, oh, I love it. Uh, she looks stunning in she, all oh, her she costumes. Is, she corals. is beautiful, and yes. they dress yeah. her really well. They really yeah. do. The, the customer really deserves a shout-out yes. for that miniseries. Yep. Um, and then the third one is the yellow dress with the blue flowers that she wears when they have their adorable garden scene where yes. they confess yeah. that they're in love with each I other and want to get married. Yes. So those are my picks. Nice. nice. Sam, what are your picks? Um, well, I had a lot of overlap with Michelle. So clearly Cher's yellow plaid suit is just... Iconic. I wanted it. Yeah. Um, honestly, I loved all of the top hats in, in Emma. I oh, thought they yeah. did a fantastic job with them. Uh, Rama Legray's long sleeve coral dress was just gorgeous, both when she had the white shirt underneath and when it was just the dress. Yeah. I liked both choices. And then I enjoyed Paul Rudd's flannel because it was Paul Rudd wearing the flannel. Ah. Uh, and it was uh, a nod okay. to the crispy Seattle weather. That's exactly right. <laughs> So my top outfits, and I decided just to do Emma. Nice. Because I just... Yep. That's the direction I went. So, because I will always choose Regency dresses. Um, and while I love all of the ones that you chose, I actually do not overlap with you guys at all. Wow. Ooh, I know. I really did. I do love that yellow floral dress, and it almost made the list, but I decided to just have one of her dresses. And I went with the first one she wears at Miss... Uh, it's not the first one she wears. The one she wears at Miss Taylor's wedding. It's an off-white base with this orange-red yellow floral pattern. And mm-hmm. she has this coral necklace and a dark coral shawl. <clears throat> it's lovely. And it's really lovely. So yep. I went with that one for her. Um, she has... Emma has a red coat, which I love. She's wearing it when she's walking around uh, the village with Harriet, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And then my third outfit was actually Mrs. Weston wears um, a dark jade dress to the Coles party. Yeah. And she looks fabulous. Yep. Jodie May is beautiful. Beautiful, and it really compliments her. And I didn't want it to be like all Emma all the time because yeah. she looks good in everything. Yeah, she does. Mm-hmm. So I those agree. are my three. Very nice. I like them. Thank you. I think um, we all did a really good job. I do too. <laughs> I do too. Very proud of us. Same. Yep. <laughs> Um, so should we play a new game today? Yes, we have a new game. New game, new game, new uh, game. This is Screw, Mary, Kill, Start a Small Business with. <laughs> Nightly version. <laughs> Mr. Nightly version. So of the, we're, we're expanding it to the four Nightlies beyond our choices here. So Josh, a.k.a. Paul Rudd, or any of the three Nightlies played by Johnny e. Lee Miller, Mark Strong, or Jeremy Northam, who would you screw? 
Who would you marry? Who would you kill? And who would you start a small business with? Anna? Well, I have a feeling that we are actually going to be probably exactly the same. Yep. Um, I would screw Paul Rudd, mm-hmm. marry Johnny Lee Miller, mm-hmm. start a small business with Jeremy Northam, mm-hmm. and sorry, I would kill Mark Strong. I, I don't I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Sorry, Mark Strong. You just... He plays bad Your guys. Your hairpiece is so bad. Yeah. I can't keep you alive with that no. hairdo. No. I just... He's he's so... He's like dark and brooding. Right. I I actually feel like Mark Strong feels like a Bronte hero trying yeah. to be in a Jane Austen yep. series, you know? Oh my God, it's so funny. So you know how like you were helping me on Saturday to... to pack my pack up my books and I like threw Wuthering Heights on the floor and I yes. said why do people Michelle had the same reaction that very same night I was like yes it's the worst book ever we all agree we hate Wuthering Heights ah, it's don't at us so bad so at bad. me <laughs> <laughs> might I suggest nobody read Wuthering Heights anymore so awful Ugh. sorry but yeah so yes I I agree he's very much one of those types and yes. trying to fit in this it doesn't work he just, that's like his sen- it just he's yeah. brooding I love Mark Strong I love him like he's a great he actor is, his voice is fantastic he's very charismatic I think he's a fantastic actor he's just not my Mr. Knightley no he might have made it into the running for my boink zone if he had was better like hair his bald self yeah mm-hmm. yes like, yep Oh, Definitely I totally hit that here for that. Yes, mm-hmm. much sexier. But I also killed him in mine. <laughs> uh, I would also start a small business with Jeremy Northam. <laughs> he's just he's so he's trustworthy. Just right. like that. I just I feel like he would be able to balance our books really nicely. And, and he has like, a great panini recipe. Right. And I yeah. feel like he would just be really good to bounce ideas off of and he'd yeah. really be able to give you solid, sensible advice. And he does a good like uh head tilt. Yeah. So, like, you really know he's listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and where I, I differed from you beautiful ladies is I would boink Johnny Lee Miller until the cows came home. Mm. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I am always going to marry Paul Rudd. Aww. Well, you know what's nice is that with Paul Rudd, you know what he's going to look like in 40 years. Exactly. The yeah. same as he looks right yep. now. That is yep. correct. I mean, because to be fair, pact of the devil. Johnny Lee Miller also, also looks is the same. Aging he is aging nicely. beautifully. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. I approve. Yep. What a terrible decision to have to make. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) So what are uh, are some of our other quizzes and questions? Who wants to go? Um, I'll go first. Yeah. So we kind of touched on this just during our last game, but is there a bad nightly? I mean, really? And like, or is it just, or is like Mark Strong, is it just not quite right nightly? Yeah. I, I mean, I've not seen every single version ever. But of the ones that were released in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I don't think any of them are bad. Mm-mm. Some Just of them are better, better. than others. Yeah. yeah. Michelle. I agree with that, Michelle. I think the book version of Nightly is the worst. There you go. There you go. Okay. And I would say even that is not bad. No, it's just not my no. favorite. No. But yeah. it's my least favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Um, and then, do you think the plaque in the front of the Statue of Liberty should be updated to include Cher's presentation? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> they should have, like, a, a video hologram of her doing that. Yeah. Yep, I'm on board with all of these. The <laughs> yeah. um, and then, final question. What is your favorite Johnny Lee, Relo- Johnny Lee Miller role outside of his sister, Knightley? Uh, I'm pretty sure you already know my answer is going to be Hackers. Yes, I called that, like, when you said it. Yeah. yeah. But, Michelle... Oh. 
I'm torn like Natalie and Brulia. <laughs> <laughs> the 90s references are flying fast and furious. You're welcome. <laughs> and I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my gut says, I want to say elementary. He is a mm-hmm. really fantastic Sherlock. And the way that they deal with addiction in that show and the way that he specifically works through a lot of different ups and downs mm-hmm. is really just like a master class in acting. Mm-hmm. However, he did a two-man show with Benedict Cumberbatch. That was going to be mine. Of um, Frankenstein. Frankenstein. And on night one, he would play the creature... And Cumberbatch would play Frankenstein. And then night two, they would switch roles. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you which of those two roles I like him better in. I don't think I ever saw him as a creature, but I saw him as Frankenstein and he was fantastic. I think I like his creature a little bit more, but they both are really wonderful. Um, Yeah, I highly recommend if you get a chance, check it out. Yeah. It's. Yeah, because they videoed both, right? Yes. And they, yeah. um, Emerson actually, yeah. it, like, it's been once a year lately. Oh, nice. Okay. They, Maybe I'll try and go back for the, so I can watch the, the reverse. Yeah. They're both excellent. I mean, they're both fantastic actors. So. They are. Yes. Yeah. I, and I like the idea of a Sherlock off. I was going to say, we should play <laughs> Screw Mary Kill, start a small business with the Sherlocks. Right? Over the years. Oh, my God. That would be Don't really hard. Don't threaten me with the best time ever. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to go next? Uh, Why don't uh, I go next? Because I feel like you two ask these like really lovely, fun questions, and I'm like, let's get real about life. Actually, all of my <laughs> questions are like, about Nazis, so I don't know what you're... Oh. <laughs> no, yeah, well, then we'll, end, next. well, then we'll end with Nazis. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> always question one. All right, I'm trying to go from like heaviest question to lightest. Okay. Question one. Why... Do we think that the picnic scene is in the book and the and the film adaptations? Because that scene makes me hate Emma. And mm-hmm. she never gets to bounce back fully for me. Mm-hmm. She is so terrible with Frank Churchill at that picnic that I cannot forgive her. And if that, that, that scene is not in there, mm-hmm. I might like her. I would argue that that's in there because that's her rock bottom. That's her crisis point. She mm-hmm. cannot get better until she has that really, truly atrocious yep. behavior. And and she does, gonna, in, the, yeah. in the book, she does beat herself up a lot. And when she mm-hmm. looks back, especially after she finds out the truth about Jane and Frank Churchill, she really beats herself up and like fully recognizes that she behaved badly to Miss Bates. She behaved badly um, in front of her friends mm-hmm. and... And that that's not the kind of person she wants to be. So I would argue that that's why it's in there. Because it is her, like, exposing herself and and not being the kind of person she wants to be that helps her to be better. Yeah. And I think, I think like, up until that point, like, her behavior's been just, like, on the edge. It's never enough for Mr. Knightley, for example, to call her out on it. Like, he'll, he'll nudge her a little bit. But um, until she really hit that point, it's like, no one was ever going to say... Emma, have you are you listening to yourself? Like, why are you being such a bitch? Like, this is unacceptable. Otherwise, I'd be like, oh, Emma, like, haha, like you're 
you're just being you're just kind you. of spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I agree. Like it goes a little too far that that I'm comfortable with, but I think um, it needed at least something like that in order for Emma to really be called out, called to the to the mat. I totally agree. But like there had to be a point. Yeah. A breaking point. However, it is so harsh. Yeah. And so terrible that one, it seems like a huge jump from where she had been mm-hmm. already. And also, I don't think that anything she does afterwards fully redeems it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And she's not a teenager. She is a, a, a woman who is in her 20s. Mm-hmm. She has been the mistress of this home. She should know better. Yeah, I think she's too easily swayed by Frank Churchill. Mm-hmm. And not because she's in love with him, but because... He eggs her on, and she is... He brings out the worst in her. Yeah. They would have been a terrible couple if they'd actually oh, been up Seriously. He, he does bring out... Like, she's very vivacious and fun, and he brings out the, the most shallow parts of that in her. Yeah. And I think, it, it, I think if Frank Churchill hadn't been there, it would not have gone that far. No. And I, I don't know why Austin has it go that far. I also think that this is the harshest that she ever yeah. makes any of her characters, mm-hmm. including the villains in other books. Uh, trying to think back if that's if if I can think of. That. I don't even think Mary Crawford's this bad. That's what I mean. Yeah. So I'm actually having a hard time remembering if something Mary Crawford said is only in a movie or if it's in the book. There's a scene in one of the adaptations of Mansfield Park where Mary Crawford, like, straight up says, like, it wouldn't be terrible if your brother died. I'm and pretty sure. I, sh- think I, that's that's not I don't book. think that's in the book. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. just the, the, that's the adaptation. I think that's just, yeah, that's a Frances O'Connor one, right? I believe it is the one that has Johnny Lee Miller in it. Yeah, I don't think that's the. Yeah, that's not the, that's not the original. Okay, text. yeah, no. Cool. So then, probably. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems so out of place in the, in this book and in the canon of Austin's works that Mm -hmm. we get that I just don't and it could go back to her creating character Mm -hmm. that only she can love yep I'm I'm not sure I agree for me it doesn't feel out of place I would agree it is it is very harsh and it is a it it does not reflect well on Emma but I think it's it's the the low point that then begins her redemption arc yeah but I mean I totally hear what you're saying like yeah I think there's just going to be a certain amount of opinion yeah oh yeah yeah. oh well and that's all it is in this one Mm -hmm. yeah uh another personal opinion piece has jeremy sisko ever played a good dude no no never Mm -mm. well at least not i've seen no no. Mm -mm. Uh, i think there was one tv show where he was a good dude but i didn't watch it i'm not gonna google it right now no i could but i just don't care i don't like him even when, like, I don't like him. I'm sorry. I'm sure he's a very nice man in real life. I've never he's met him. He's probably lovely. I do not like him. Um, and re-watching Clueless again, I noticed far more than I ever did before how often he touches Cher. Yeah. Like, he's constantly mm-hmm. hugging her and putting his nope, arms around her. Nope, that's not okay. And I am not okay with mm-hmm. it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Damn hams to yourself. Right? I did Ugh. just say damn hams, by the way. <laughs> Silence. Is that of? a porno or a parody? Starring Dom DeLuise. <laughs> <laughs> I am so proud of that six degrees. I'm sure it was a really good one. Right? Thank you. It was excellent. Oh, man. 
I just in my head for a very brief second, and I'm sorry because now all you're getting it, all of you are getting it too. Dom DeLuise in a porno. <laughs> oh no! Don't make that face, Anna. You were the one who said it first. I am scarred now. Uh, yep. Oh god, can't even see that. In yeah, come at me again. All right, no, don't, please don't. Um. <laughs> and my next question is. Why do you think that Emma, and by extension Clueless, is so fashion-forward and fashion-heavy? More so than any of the other works, this is a book that is so tied to how people look. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, I will venture it's because she's the only heroine who's rich. (laughs) (laughs) That's entirely possible. Yeah. I probably. Yep. She is a higher class society it's like, member. I think it opens like Emma is rich. Like that's in the first yeah. sentence. Yeah. She yeah. Is, She's she rich. Is rich, she, beautiful, and clever. Yep. I think is what she says. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. She is the only I think that's the only reason. who does not have financial difficulties. Yep. And clearly Cher Horowitz is loaded. Yeah, she is. We didn't even mention um, the mural of her mom. <laughs> Was my mom such a total Betty? She Aww. died in a, ru- in a freak accident during a routine liposuction. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, I'm telling man. you, it's really such a quotable movie. Oh, it is. Um, and then my other one, my other, my last question for you is um, about specifically Clueless. Uh, it the soundtrack is fantastic. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. And so my question for you is, what do you think is the best song on the fantastic soundtrack? I was going to go with the Mighty Mighty Boston's just because they're Boston-based. And every time, like, that song always gets stuck in my head. Where did you go? Yeah. Do, yep. Do, 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 do. Doesn't even matter. Where That's did you go? Instantly. That and Kids in America. Kids in America is excellent. Yeah. Um, and General Public Tenderness is really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my favorite favorite, because it's the only one that I, like, listened to outside of the movie uh, back in the day. <laughs> Of the 90s <laughs> was, um, oh shoot, I just forgot the name of it. The, um, is it Supergrass? The, oh, All Right. All Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the one that I actually, I think I might have had another mixtape or something. All right. Yeah. 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 Nice. Uh, the VHS I had of Clueless had that music video nice. at the end. It's like a bonus feature and nice. I watch it. Nice. Yeah, it's nice. not like you can just skip to that. You have to watch the whole movie to get to it. Which I did not mind doing. I would watch the whole movie. <laughs> Um, so my honorable mention is Counting Crow's Ghost in You, which mm-hmm. is playing when Josh is making out with his girlfriend and then picks up Cher. <laughs> um, and then my but my go-to is uh, Jill Sobel, uh, Supermodel. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's such a it's great delight. song. It's, and a it's great song. the song I think of when I think of this movie. Yep. Although now I also think of the song Fancy. By Iggy Azalea as well, because she did her parody right. of Clueless for yep. the video. Yep. Um, however, movie in the movie, there's also um, a whole bunch of songs that that aren't on the soundtrack. Yes. For copyright reasons, and I just want to give a quick, quick shout out to Shoop, which I already did by mm-hmm. Salt and Pepper, and also No Doubts, I'm Just a Girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yep. mwah, such a good song. Yes, Great. it is. Yes, it is. Wow. And those are my questions. All right. So on to my questions about Nazis. Nice. Nazi question time. So I actually did have the question, what is your favorite line or the line you still say the most? But I think we may have covered that ground. Yes, we did. Unless there's any. So one more chance. Any lines we didn't mention yet? Probably not. Okay. I think we've quoted the entire movie at this point. I think we have. So I won't ask that question. (laughs) 
Um, so and then rewatching it again, I've seen this movie many times. I at the end of the when they're at the wedding, so Miss Hall and uh, Mr. Hall and Miss Geist are getting married. Is that at Cher's house? Because I'm pretty sure I saw her maid Lucy in the crowd. I can't, and there's I, the like the grotto that they had in the opening maybe? montage. I wouldn't like, be surprised. Was Cher hosting their wedding? If she could host a 50th birthday party for her dad <laughs> and have everybody come, even if they did not RSVP, it does not it, say right? RSVP on the Statue of Liberty or at Cher's house. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Cher is hosting the wedding for her old teacher's I would not be surprised. teacher's wedding. So. That would not surprise me at all. I would not be surprised. Mm-mm. All right, so we don't know that for sure, but we think it's a possibility. It, it, yep. I and wanted then, to now. It's now canon. It's canon. <laughs> I've decided. So the other question I had, um, so again, sharing this movie with my husband who has never seen Emma or, or read it or anything, and he was like, why does Jane Austen hate Vickers? <laughs> I was Ugh. like, what are you talking about? He's like, are there any vicars that are good characters? And I'm like, well, sure, Edward Ferrers is going to be a parson, is going to be a clergyman. And and then I was like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of really shady, mm-hmm. crappy mm-hmm. clergymen in this. So uh, my question for you ladies is, it is head-to-head combat. Who is the worst Austin clergyman? Is it Elton or Collins? Collins. And why? Collins. His obsequious, is that the word? Obsequiousness Ooh, to, to obsequious. um, well done. thank you for, um, is just unbearable. I, it's, nope. I feel like Elton, his snobbery is a very different level. And, um, he doesn't really, he makes no bones about it. It's just who he is. But Colin's... And so Elton doesn't really, like, you know, make himself look to be, like, a better person. He's just a snob. And he's like, whatever. But Collins is is just... Yeah, no. I, I think Collins is way worse. I will give you a counter-argument. Mr. Elton marries a truly terrible woman who is only going to make him worse. Collins at least marries uh, Charlotte Lucas, who is a good influence on him. So there's the potential for him to get less awful as he gets older whereas Elton is just going to get worse just saying yeah but the thing is it like, impacts who you are Charlotte Lucas says I don't have to spend time with him that's true so she it's does a great marriage avoid him as much as possible so he may not get worse but I don't think he's going to get better fair <laughs> fair point all right, those are my questions. Shall those we have some questions. fake awards ladies Woo! oh yeah Let's do it. Sam, what are your fake awards? So my Jeff Goldblum award today goes to two different people, one in each movie. Okay. And clueless, it goes to Wallace Shawn because clearly... Because he's Wallace Shawn. He's Wallace Shawn. Yes. I think Uh. Michelle had the same one. Her face is really excited right now. I got so excited I forgot that this was a podcast and I could speak to to let you know. I too. Yeah. Agree. He's Wallace Shawn, but like also whenever I see Wallace Shawn, I just see Vicini. Yeah, I can't not. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, and then my second one goes to Christina Cole because she's always that terrible character in everything she's in. Mm-hmm. Like she just comes in, is stuck up, horrendous, wants to bring everybody down. She's really good at it, and I'm again, I'm sure she's a fabulous person in real life, but she's just always oh, you're here to rain on everyone's parade. You're here to be a poop blanket. <laughs> But I, I'm here for it. I like it. I think it's great. 
Yeah, I also gave my Jeff Goldblum award to Wallace Shawn because specifically every time I see him, I think of the line, uh, the most famous of which is never get involved in a land war in Asia. (laughs) Nice. Uh, So I'm going to deviate. My Jeff Goldblum award is going to go to Brecken Meyer. Nice. I I feel like he's got kind of a Jeff Goldblum Jr. energy Mm -hmm. about him. I can see that. I am here for... All of it. And mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen him in... Like, his characterization is appropriate for this. Mm-hmm. He's, his Travis is great. I haven't seen him do... A not Travis? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I feel like this is actually the movie where he fits, and then everything else he's in, he's Travis. To me. <laughs> but so handsome, am I right? Oh, right? I'm totally Oh, fine. yeah, I'm here for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, other awards? Uh, I do have two more. So I have... I now created the Paul Rudd Award. Ooh. And so the Paul Rudd Award goes to Paul Rudd and John Lee Miller because they only get better with age. It is startling to me how similar our awards are right now, (laughs) Sam. Because my best use of the Dorian Gray painting in someone's attic goes to Paul Rudd. (laughs) With honorable mentions to Johnny Lee Miller and Alicia Silverstone. Damn. (laughs) You guys are on the same wavelength. Amazing. What? (laughs) Sam, what was your other award? Uh, And then the Personal Growth Award goes to Emma. Nice. Oh, oh, that's sweet. Michelle, did you have any other awards? I did. Um, I have the Best Future Detective Award going to Johnny Lee Miller. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then uh i have the smarty pants award going to share because she teaches ty the word sporadically and she knows mel gibson (laughs) also she got a 98 in her geometry test right right i also think that we do not value debate enough Mm -hmm. she ended up with all a's and b's on that report card she did yeah Mm mm-hmm some solid she made it work. debating. Mm-hmm. What are your awards, Anna? Uh, I only have one other award. Uh, the full-on Monet Award goes to Amber. <laughs> I, I almost, I was like, should I have a reverse top outfits? And like her her red sailor hat with a oh, dazzled money God. symbol on it. And it's awful. She just is atrocious. She's so bad. She has a cat in the hat yeah. hat. Do you guys remember when people wear cat in the hat hats? Yep, yes. I do. Like in public? It was a thing. Yeah. Yeah, the 90s were weird. They really were. If we were doing worst outfits, we have to talk about Dion's Devo hat. Oh, (laughs) jeez. It's not good. It's it's a lot of look. It's not good. Oh, (laughs) I did think of a quotation that I love that we did not mention. Bring it. Dion gets into a fight with Mari because she found a piece of hair extension and she's like I do not wear cheap polyester hair (laughs) and it made me laugh real hard because she doesn't her weave is on point yeah her weave is is. yep (sighs) alright so I think it's I think we're done it's that time again yep I like that you both sighed in unison just (laughs) then we're always sad when it comes to an end we are I'm sad too this is always so fun right it's so fun but next episode Next episode, we'll be talking about A Monster Calls by Patrick Ness, based on a story idea by Siobhan Dowd, and the recent adaptation starring Liam Neeson, Felicity Jones, and Sigourney Weaver's distracting accent. (laughs) Be prepared for me to cry the whole time. Yes. 
I've never even heard of it. What? It's oh my God, Michelle. so good. The movie is oh. beautiful. It's oh. so good. I have not read the book yet. I'm really I excited I was sobbing the whole time I read the book and watched the movie. It's it is gorgeous. so moving. It's beautiful. It's so good. Uh, yeah. I'm excited to experience both of them and decide whether or not I cried harder at that than I did at Fault in Our Stars. Because uh, that was the most recent. Yeah. I can't. Yeah read words anymore because I'm yep. ugly crying oh, too hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Ugly crying award. We're going nice. to do That's that next time. Yeah. That'll be the new award. Yep. Well, in the meantime, help us spread the word. Rate and review on iTunes. Tell your friends, co-workers, and distant relatives how great Adapted with Anna and Sam is. And we want to hear from you. Send questions, comments, and your six degrees to adaptedwithannaandsam at gmail.com. Or post on Facebook. You can find us at Adapted with Anna and Sam. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Adapted Podcast. Let's keep this conversation going. Thanks for listening to Adapted with Anna and Sam. I'm Anna, and I wish Aerosmith's Crazy was based on a book. (laughs) I am Sam, and I wish Wet Hot American Summer was based on a book. Yes. Yeah. I'm Michelle, and I wish Back to the Future was based on a book. Nice. Nice. Bye. Bye.